Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, join us as we explore the vibrant expat life with Anna, an expert in settling newcomers in Costa Rica and Panama. Through her experiences, we'll compare the unique charms and opportunities of these tropical paradises with the rich culture of Portugal. If you're considering a fresh start abroad, you won't want to miss Anna's insights into these captivating destinations. Hey, Josh. Hey, Kaylee. Hello, Dan. Hey, Dan. I just got back from a weekend in Cape Cod, and it was a blast. Cape Cod? Nice. Yeah, wow, Cape Cod. What did you do there? I'd never been there before. It was a quick trip, but we got out on a boat, did some swimming in the ocean, and we had all the lobsters. We even made some s'mores by a campfire. I've always wanted to go up to that area, and I hear the lobster is amazing. How was that? It was delicious and messy. Yeah, for me, I've always wanted to uh, have a Cape Codder or a Cape Cod cocktail, right, in Cape Cod, and then, yeah, the lobster rolls. So cliche. I know. <laughs> How's the road trip through Spain going? The road trip in Spain has been awesome, um, you know, to start out with at least. We're, we're only four or five nights in. Tonight's night five. Uh, so it's a two-week trip. But it has been phenomenal so far. We've had an absolute blast. And, um, yeah, we're just happy to be doing it, seeing some places that we haven't seen before and definitely trying foods that are, are familiar to our time whenever we started abroad and we were living in Madrid. Yeah, we don't often rent a car when we travel, but I've been pleasantly surprised with how well it's going and it gives us flexibility. I think my favorite thing so far is how well we're doing on paying for parking. We've done a really good job at yes. not paying much. <laughs> we have kept it cheap, and yeah. I do like that. Yeah. 
That sounds like a heck of an adventure. I can't wait to hear more about it. But first, let's talk about our guest for this week, Anna. She's in Costa Rica and helps expats settle in Costa Rica, Panama, and Portugal. Josh, what can you tell us about Anna's work? Yes. So Start Abroad is a company that has, has been up and running for a couple of years now, and they do help out with information and immigration resources for three hot countries. And that's you know something that we wanted to talk to them about because Costa Rica, Panama, and Portugal are not often put together in a list and directly compared. However, there are a lot of people that do consider um, all three of the places to go move to. I mean, including maybe like in Ecuador as well um, for cost of living. Um, but, you know, those are three of, let's say, like five or six places that get put together, Mexico as well. Yeah, it's actually really good to compare those because when others are doing research on where they want to live, they often come up with these, you know, cost of living, things like that are all comparable. So those are three really good ones. Absolutely. Kaylee, how did you guys get connected with Anna? Her expertise must be incredibly helpful for those looking to make the move. They actually reached out to us because they were in Portugal just on vacation and they wanted to meet up and, you know, chat about these things. You know, we're in the same space in a way. And uh, we were not in Portugal at the time that they were. We were traveling. So we just wanted to circle back after we got back from vacation. They got back to Costa Rica uh, and just connect in that way. And then talk about these these great resources that we we both have with possible places to live in. Don't forget to check back with us next week as we start our summer road trip series First stop, Bilbao, where we check out a place that we've been to before, but we've fallen in love with it again. What a fantastic city, right? Yes, definitely. So you won't want to miss it. Stay with us as we dive into Anna's story right after this short break. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. World Post can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. 
Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep. Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Anna, so glad that you could join us here on the Let's Move to Portugal podcast. And I'm really excited about this because we are going to talk to Port about Portugal, but we're going to pit Portugal against two other countries that don't always get pitted against Portugal in the way of Costa Rica and Panama. First, can you tell us uh, where are you right now and how you got involved in talking about Costa Rica, Panama and Portugal? Yeah, sure. And thank you so much for having me. So I am physically right now in Costa Rica. I'm in a little town. It's called Nuevo Arenal, Costa Rica in the Guanacaste region. And I ended up here and I'm talking to you about these three countries that may seemingly be randomly put together um, mm -hmm. because I am the co-founder of a company called Start Abroad that helps Americans and Canadians move to those three countries, largely because they are so popular among those expats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is why these three really fit is because their popularity is is very much on par with each other. Um, mm -hmm. They don't all three share the same language. Contrary to popular nope. belief, uh, <laughs> in Portugal, we speak Portuguese, uh, not Spanish. But you're in Costa Rica now. Um, Arenal, I believe, uh, is famous for a volcano. Yes. So I live on the largest lake in the country, Lago okay. Arenal, and also within view of Volcan Arenal. So a huge volcano. It's what you kind of see whenever you Google Costa Rica and you'll see this beautiful volcano over a beautiful lake. And that's the view out my door often. Okay. How did your expat journey take you to, to Costa Rica and where else have you been along the way? Yeah, sure. So Costa Rica is actually the sixth country that I have lived in. Um, my, I, I kind of started off living outside of the United States where I'm originally from, straight out of college. Um, I lived in the UK for a while. Um, I lived in England for a while um, specifically, and then went to East Africa um, working there. My background's actually in international development. So in Kenya and Rwanda and Uganda, and then actually, around the time of the pandemic, when I think a lot of people were questioning their life decisions and where they wanted to be and what they wanted to be doing. I got stuck in the United States and realized with my partner, Zach, that we wanted to start our own business and that Costa Rica made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Um, one, it's Spanish speaking and I speak Spanish. Two, it's on US time zones. So it was really mm. great for starting a business that was serving largely Americans and Canadians. Yep. And the safety, um, the beautiful nature, it just, it made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. So Costa Rica was kind of the first time that we moved somewhere for the place and not for any other external reason. 
hundred percent. That was Portugal for us, for sure. It was, it was the place over, you know, a job taking us there or whatnot. Right. Okay. So you've named a few pros to Costa Rica. What are some of the cons that you found since living there? Yeah. So, you know, I think probably pretty similar to your guys' experience in Portugal. It's just a different pace when it comes to getting things done. So okay. there, there is a good bit of bureaucracy. Um, the story that I like to tell, it's pretty illustrative of it, is like our first week in Costa Rica, we were driving a rental car before we bought our own. We parked on the street where a lot of other cars were. And then we came back like two hours later, three hours later, and our license plates were gone. And we're like, who are these crazy license plate thieves? Like who who's messing with us? Like, is this a common crime in Costa Rica? It turns out that that's the way that the government enforces parking violations or, you know, a lot of different kinds of violations. Um, and because it was a rental car, we actually couldn't even do anything about it and go to like the local police station to pay a ticket. We had to drive four hours back to the rental car company, switch out our cars, pay a big old fine and then drive all the way back down to the beach town where we were at the time. Um, so it's just, it, it's a lot of kind of steps that you wouldn't necessarily expect to get certain things done. Okay. And what are some things that you've noticed as you've helped people move to both Panama and Portugal? What are some pros and cons there? Yeah. Well, oftentimes it's Costa Rica and Panama can be quite similar, I would say in a lot of ways. Um, and Portugal, as you might expect, being on another continent, can be quite different. Um, it's, it is funny to compare all three of them. So I would say, actually, in terms of this bureaucracy stuff I'm talking about, mm. Portugal is probably the worst out of the three, especially okay. when it comes to thinking about like your visa and the process that you have to go through to get that. I mean, okay. the fact that you have to get a 12-month lease for most of your visas before you even go to your first visa appointment and then pay rent for a while before you show up is, I mean, it's a lot. Um, whereas in Costa Rica and Panama, you can move and then apply for a visa. And that's in country, like you can be in country and apply. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, the, the kind of the downsides of living in Panama and Costa Rica compared to Portugal are often I mean, it depends on your preferences, but it can get hot and humid. So sure. the climate can be a big one for people. A lot of people talk about their dream of living on a beach in Costa Rica or Panama and then end up deciding, oh, this is a little much for me. I don't want to have to be in AC all the time. It's sure. a very common story. Um, yeah. And and then in terms of, of Portugal beyond bureaucracy, what are some other cons that you've noticed with with clients or just from your personal experience, because you've traveled in Portugal yourself. Uh, yes. So what were some things that you noticed that maybe for Americans and Canadians may wouldn't jive per se? And again, to preface this for the listener, these are all three really popular places. So sometimes we're like clutching at straws, trying to figure out what's negative about the place, but to, to, to benefit the listener and in, in saying what is negative or what's perceived as negative um, is important. It's a value because we could wax lyricals about the positives and we will here in a second. Yeah, I would say, so I, I, I think it's um, across all three countries. Please. There's a, 
more of like a laid back culture, which is both a pro and a con. Right? Uh-huh. Definitely. So a lot of times people are looking to move to get away from the rat race or to feel a little bit more like they can take a breath and enjoy yep. their lives. But that does also mean that maybe customer service isn't as focused on as it is in the U.S. or Canada uh, place mm. you might be used to. And it can take longer to get things done. Mm. The other thing that I would say is that, I mean, learning the language. <laughs> I often work with clients who one of their first questions is, okay, where is a place where I can still speak English and get by? Because it's yep. it's hard. It's a process to yep. learn Portuguese or to learn Spanish. And, and the other thing, and, and this is not really a, a negative about these countries, but maybe it's um, it's a negative compared to people's expectations, which is there's a lot of talk about how incredibly affordable all three of these countries are. Yes. And oftentimes that just ends up not being true to the extent that people think based on what they've read about from 10 years ago, five years ago, or from some publications that just really play up the cost of living aspect. So, you know, especially in Portugal, rents are more expensive, I think, than a lot of people expect, especially in the Lisbon area. And, And that can often be a little bit of a shock to people. Yeah, for sure. So you touched on three really great uh, cons, at least in Portugal. We we don't have as much experience in Panama and and Costa Rica to say. We actually traveled quite a bit in Costa Rica, but not really Panama. Um, but going going back to your comments about Portugal, for sure, there's a process uh, when it comes to learning the language. Absolutely, and this is a reason why whenever we uh, talk to people or we create videos, we do ask the question like, how do the locals do with English? Because it's, you know, it's not because we want to move to a place and expect people to know English and be insensitive, but it's, it's a question I think that will help even the global audience, people that are not um, Americans, Canadians, Brits, Aussies, whatever, that the first language is, is English, but it's, you're gauging a judge of like, how well can people speak in the, the global language, which is English? So if a, if a German goes to, comes to Portugal um, and uses English as opposed to German, like how well are they going to be able to get by? So I'm glad that you brought that up. Cost of living. Uh, actually, let's first, uh, let me mention about the pace of life. Totally agree with you. The pace of life thing is, is one that so many people move here and they want a slower pace of life. Yet when they're stuck in a grocery line and the little lady in front of them is counting penny by penny, you know, and they're having to wait for this person instead of like, hey, just tap your card, you know, like and get out of my way. Uh, it, it's something that it takes a little time to adjust. But then the cost of living thing, Kaylee and I were discussing it this week where the cost of living for housing has really, really risen here in Portugal. And so many things that have been published are vastly out of date because of yeah. that. Even even our videos, our, our videos from even six months ago where we're talking about property prices, they're already out of date because of how quickly rents have raised. Not so much to buy, but certainly to rent. Other things are staying pretty stable, but it is not as cheap here as it it once was. And the first time I was in Costa Rica, I was actually shocked how much prices had already risen from when I was reading blogs about what costs were like. I remember I went out for a burrito, um, and this this was in Jaco. Mm-hmm. 
which is already you know touristy. Yeah, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Be- it's like the tourist spot for Costa Ricans. Also, it's the beach closest to San Jose. So yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's there's this like Mexican restaurant, and I don't know. I paid, I think it was between twelve and fifteen bucks for a burrito. You know, where I could go to the soda, the what would you call it? Like local like cafe. Like a local cafe. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Okay. Yeah. So the local cafe, and I think I paid maybe two bucks for for a metal plate, like a metal cafeteria tray with rice, beans, some sort of stewed chicken, uh, a fresh juice. Where I was wondering, a full should I meal? Like you're yeah. gonna be full after that? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like I was yeah. up to my my Adam's apple with food, and um, I was just questioning, should I drink the drink because of the ice or not? Uh huh. So tell me that, like. Is how safe is Costa Rica? How safe is Panama in terms of like hygiene, parasites, that type of thing? Because Portugal's very safe. You can drink the it water. Is. Anywhere. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. It is. Before I get to that, please. Well, first, I, I yeah. will say yes, in Costa Rica, you can drink the water almost everywhere too. So that's that's not okay. that different. Um I was just gonna say that, yeah, I I mean, I think that. For cost of living, what you bring up with this like soda versus a burrito and a kind of touristy restaurant illustrates a really good point, though, which is one that we try to make to all of our clients, which is it really depends on two things. It depends on the specific location in the country. And then it also depends on your lifestyle. So yep. if you are shopping locally, eating locally in particular, that's going to make a big difference, especially in Costa Rica and Panama, where honestly... The housing costs, I mean, they're more expensive than you might read about in some places, but it's, you know, the big difference I see in terms of expense can often be the food. It being more expensive than you think it will be in restaurants and then also groceries, just because taxes on imported goods are so high. In Portugal, it's a little bit different. I think the food can be quite affordable, but, you know, your rent can really get out of hand pretty quickly. But again, it depends on where are you living? So mm-hmm. there's such a huge range in both places. Like we have clients that live on under $2,000 a month and like are able to save a lot compared to their previous lives. And then others that are spending well over 6,000 per month. And it really mm-hmm. depends on your lifestyle and what you're used to and what you want to continue to do. Um, but yes, with safety. Um, so you can drink the water. Yep. So that's great. Well, not not everywhere. You know, there's some beach towns where I wouldn't recommend drinking the water in both Costa Rica and Panama. But generally, you can drink the water. Okay. And Portugal is safer. Uh, but Portugal is one of the safest countries in the world. Yeah, right? exactly. Just head and shoulders above so many other countries. And I would say for both Costa Rica and Panama, it's they're safe countries, especially when it comes to violent crime. You don't mm. see a lot of that. What you do see some of is more petty crime. Petty theft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've experienced exactly. That. Oh, have you in Costa yeah, Rica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Costa Rica. So I went down to Costa Rica uh, one summer um, after I finished my master's. It was kind of a, a break, mental break, and a gift to myself, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I went down there to a surf school and I went out. Um, I went out one day just like not on my own, but with a, with a, another guy, uh, but not with the school. Right. So it wasn't like somebody was watching the gear, like our gear. So I had minimal things. I had like some sandals and a shirt and a 
uh, like a bandana or whatever. Uh, and we, we just dug a hole in the sand, buried it, and then, and then went out to surf. And I was gone for, you know, maybe two hours, came back. My stuff had been dug up, gone. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't well, expensive you, stuff, but it's like now. to try to bury it in the first place. I wouldn't have thought of that uh, one. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we were told. Like a lot of the surfers would, would go out and they would bury their stuff and then, um, mm -hmm. and then it would usually be okay. But like I, like I said, it wasn't expensive stuff, but the fact I had to walk back to the surf school, um, you know, in the streets with it's one, it's hot, you know, so the, the ground's hot, but also like broken glass and pebbles and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that's not everybody's experience in Costa Rica. No, but you got to be careful. You know, you have you to gotta be, be careful aware. I, I will say the um, one of the interesting things that I see is, you know, a Tico family here. Uh, Tico being like short Costa Rican. For Costa Rican, yeah. Yeah. Well, typically, if they're out of a house, especially if they're going to, I don't know, a wedding or a funeral, something that everyone in the town knows about, they're going to have mm. someone come stay at their house while they're gone because everyone sure. is going to know that they're gone. So it, mm. it's just like these little things of, you know, making sure that your house isn't empty or that you don't have valuables in your car that are out, things like that. Okay. So, how do people deal with like, like let's say they're remote workers they've got computers and tech how do you keep that stuff protected well you keep it with you at all times okay. i would say I'm not gonna bury yeah. that in the sand anywhere no and <laughs> and if you want to be extra safe i will say after spending eight years living in east africa in particular mm. i'm pretty safety conscious about some of these things i yeah. just yeah i don't even i don't leave them out within view of a window at any point when i'm not around I'm, yeah. I'm in my bedroom at night, that kind of thing. Okay. I think this shifts me to want to talk to you about, um, about housing. Cause we kind of touched on it a yeah. little bit. So I'm wondering like, where are, where are expats moving to in the likes of Costa Rica and Panama? Um, so that maybe there's a little more protection or I hate to use the word exclusion. Cause I don't mm. feel like it's right for, you know, for, for, for expats to maybe exploit their wealth and just live apart from the culture that they're in. Cause I think it's a beautiful sure. thing when you get sure. invested in the culture, but are people having to do that to keep their stuff protected? Oh no, I, I wouldn't okay. say so at all. No, okay. no, no. And I, but at the same time, not for that reason, but just because of, you know, expats typically bringing in income, foreign income that is a lot higher than locals. You do get these little expat bubbles in certain places and people driving up the costs of rent, food, et cetera. I mean, I, I think very similar to what you see in Portugal um, with all of these complaints around the tourism industry and also sometimes expats driving up prices. So you see very similar things. The most popular places where we work with the most clients anyway in Costa Rica, it's either the Central Valley, so right around San Jose, which is also where the majority of the Tico population lives. Yeah. So in that sense, it's, you know, you have so many professionals, it's international, um, you have so many people who actually speak English, you have a lot of great international schools, um, small towns, and also kind of these big suburbs with lots of amenities. Central Valley, and then also the Guanacaste Coast. So this is like the North Pacific area um, along all these beautiful beach towns that are particularly popular in Panama Panama City is a big draw yeah. and 
I would say this is the thing that it's got like a Miami vibe a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it really distinguishes these two countries from each other. Like when, mm. when I think about who's going to love Costa Rica, typically, I mean, there's so many different environments and places in the country, but it's like someone who really appreciates the nature. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and some outdoor activities maybe wants to be outside a lot because there's so much of that. But the city life in Costa Rica isn't great. Whereas in Panama, you have this great international city. It's a hub. You can get everywhere. There's so much to do. Um, and then outside of Panama City, things aren't as developed in Panama. So Panama City is okay. really popular. And then there are also some mountain towns, actually, for those folks who are like not as excited about Miami vibes, maybe in terms of the climate in particular. Yeah. Uh, you can go to places like Boquete or David. David, which yeah, are, I've, I've heard yeah. of David's. Uh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, which are, you know, if you want to have a little bit of a cooler climate, that's also, Boquete in particular has become really popular with expats in the past decade or so. Okay. Where is, where is Boquete with a B? Yeah. Yeah, yeah where is that B, located? With a B. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like northwest of Panama City, um, a little up from the Pacific coast. Okay. So, yeah. and then, and then David is, uh, is close to the border with, um, yeah, that's, with that's closer Costa Rica. to Costa Rica. Exactly. Yeah. So both of those yeah. are closer to Costa Rica. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, what are, what are housing costs like there for, for rent and then also to purchase? Yeah. So if you're looking for, again, I mean, it really depends on the area, but Let's say if you want to buy a in a rural town like where I live, yep. if you want to buy a freestanding house, two to three bedroom with half an acre, maybe you're looking at like three hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Okay. But equally, if you are in a popular beach town, you could spend that much and get a two bedroom condo. Okay. Right. So um, it, and would those be like finished? fully renovated or would like the house need a bit of work? Mm, again, could depend Depends. on the place, but yeah. I'd say somewhere in between, maybe okay. needs a little bit of work, but, okay. um, but hopefully not too much. The condo will probably be pretty well finished. Okay. And then how about in Panama? Yes. So in the city, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. And as with all cities, it really depends on the popularity of the neighborhood where yeah. you're going to be living. So yeah. you could be looking to spend, I would say, about the same for like a one bedroom apartment in some places or two bedroom apartment if it's really nice quality. And you could buy, again, like a freestanding house in a smaller town or like in Boquete for the same price that has a few bedrooms. Okay. So actually, you know, the, the $300,000 marker is fairly similar uh, to what you could expect or what you should expect in, in Porto. Lisbon's gotten a little, a little bit crazier, yeah. but yeah, like you could definitely find a two bedroom place um, in, in Porto in a good neighborhood pretty comfortably. Um, and then obviously like in some of the smaller towns, yeah, you could, you could get a real, house for that much something that is is finished or or even less and then 
your total spend after getting it renovated and everything would be in the 300 range. Cool. Very cool. Uh, so what kind of, what, what kind of people should move to each place? Like if, if you had to kind of pick some both personality traits, I guess, and then also stage of life as well, like mm -hmm. what, what people should move where, what do you think? Yeah, I, well, like I said, the people I see drawn to Costa Rica, they have some, something about the nature is like calling them. Yep. The people that I see drawn to Portugal, it's, well, it, it's really Europe, right? I mean, and there's so many things that come along with that. It's the history, it's the culture, it's the access to the EU. It's the fact that Portugal is such a, an easy entree to getting a EU passport at some mm -hmm. point. Yeah. In, when you're looking at Costa Rica, I think a lot of it comes down to things like, do you love surfing? Do you love birding? Do you want to be in a place that's really biodiverse and really appreciate that? In Panama, it's often, it, it's definitely also the climate and the surroundings and there are places to get beautiful nature in Panama as well. But I tend to see people drawn there more either drawn to the urban living of Panama City um, or the the ease, especially Americans. I mean, use the U.S. dollar. Yeah. Um, the ease of doing business is a little bit better than in these other countries. I mean, it's all relative. Uh, yeah. But so there's that. And, and then also the climate. People who like it even warmer actually than in Costa Rica often are drawn to Panama. Okay. So maybe, maybe Panama as well would be a bit better for people that are still a bit active in business and, and not ready to completely uh, slow down or stop, you know, whatever their profession is. Yes. Especially if you're not necessarily totally free to work remotely. And if you're looking to maybe engage more business activities in person, Panama okay. might be better, but ah, you know, we definitely okay. see remote workers everywhere in all of these countries. everywhere now right yeah i mean i think i think that's the unique thing about portugal right now is that it really is attracting such a wide range of people whereas you know maybe five years ago it was more heavily towards retirees mm -hmm. and and even the d7 was initially to attract retirees um and and since then i mean remote workers have have started to move over before on the d7 now the d8 um, so you've processed now, help people process some visas along yes. the way. Yeah. Yeah. So particularly in Portugal and Costa Rica, where these visas are brand new. Okay. Um, I Tell mean, me the about DA, the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Costa Rica also started their digital nomad visa last year, same as Portugal. And the requirements are very similar. So in Portugal right now, I mean, for this year, the requirement is that you make 3,040 euro a month. In Costa Rica, it's 3,000 US dollars per month if you're applying for yourself. If you're bringing dependents, it's 4,000. And in Panama, it's actually the same. Panama's remote worker visa has been around for longer, but requirement again, 3,000 US dollars per month to show okay. in terms of salary. So the requirements are quite similar. The duration is a little bit different. So Portugal, you can use the digital nomad visa to become a permanent resident. In Costa Rica and Panama, it's a little bit different. The okay. Costa Rican digital nomad visa is good for one year and then you can renew it maximum two years. 
is the validity. Ah. And in Panama, it's good for nine months and you can renew it. So the maximum validity is 18 months. So it's a little bit different. It's really intended more for, hey, you want to spend a year or two working from a beautiful tropical country? Come on down, like we can support you. But it's not that bridge to permanent residency that you see in Portugal. Okay, so then what are the options for people that want to to go permanent resident route in either one of those places? Yeah, so you can do the retiree visa. So in both countries, this is called the pensionado, and it's mm -hmm. the easiest visa to get. It's very popular also, kind of similar to Portugal's D7. The requirement in both cases, again, is that you just show $1,000 of income per month through a, some kind of pension source, whether that's social security or a company pension or whatever you may be receiving. The other option that's popular is investor visa. And this is where I'd say it's very different from Portugal. So Portugal, the big investor visas, you know, the golden visa, which mm -hmm. is being phased out now and requires a pretty hefty investment. In Costa Rica, the investment level is only 150,000 US dollars. In Panama, okay. it's, it's 200,000. And that's called the friendly nations visa in Panama. You know, typically people are going to be using that investment for real estate. So they're going to be buying a house somewhere or property. Are, are there other ways to use it other than real estate, like establishing yes. a business or, okay. Exactly. So you can invest in a company or establish a company. Those are also options. Okay. Now I'm just going to throw this at you. So mm -hmm. let's, let's see what you say here. Uh, put okay. your political hat on. But okay. why do you think why do you think these countries uh, make a difference between um, a retiree versus a, a remote worker or digital nomad in terms of the economic threshold? Because it's it's quite a difference when you're talking about three to four x the requirement of the other visa type. Why do you think it is? I'm going to tell you why I think it is, and I'm curious why you think it is. You sure. must have a theory based on that question. Well. <laughs> I think it's because, you know, when you're a retiree, all these countries are thinking about, they have great social services, right? Yeah. They have good healthcare yeah. systems. They have, all of these things are going to be available to you when you move, especially when it comes to healthcare. That's another thing they all have in common. When you're a retiree and you're moving, to be totally frank, you probably aren't going to be using that system for as long before the end of your life. And I think that, in terms of what you're going to spend in the country as well. If you qualify for these visas, if you're interested, I think the track record is typically, oh, you know, I have solid income coming in. I'm going to be you know, spending it. I'm very reliable because I have this pension coming in mm. um, and I'm not going to be a drain on a social security system for very long. Um, I'm not going to take a lot of resources from the country. I'm really going to be contributing. I imagine they've done a lot of economic analysis of this versus if you're a salaried employee or if you're running your own business or something like that, it's a little bit less certain. You don't have the, okay, I'm going to get a pension every year until I die um, situation and mm -hmm. your job could change and you could end up becoming more of a drain on the social system in any of these countries. Okay. What do you think? Interesting. Um, that's a good question. So th this is what confuses me is I feel like um, it's possible. And again, neither one of us have actually seen the, the no. numbers that the nations have. I, I hope Not they run their, their numbers. 
um, or they're not just like copying everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Because it does feel like they're all playing copycat in a way. Because mm -hmm. because everywhere's just about the same in terms of like the passive income is is one third of whatever they require for the active. Okay, so the weird thing for me is it seems like on an annual basis that older demographics would actually use more of like at least the the medical side of things. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I don't know if I track there with you. I definitely okay. track with you on the security point of view in terms of if there's a pension, uh, that someone is drawing, that's, that's secure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of historical data to, to kind of, uh, show that. Whereas if someone's moving with their remote job, yeah, I mean, you could grant them, uh, some sort of long-term residence visa and they get fired the next month and then what now? they're kind of being absorbed potentially by the state, right? Or or there's some sort of instability there. But in saying I that, another, I, I have mm, another theory. Ahead. I have another yeah. thought. Okay. What about if it's more focused on like the character of the people that they want to attract? Could so be. what what if it's, oh, well, retirees, you know, they're going to be stable and um, not cause trouble and, yeah. you know, be reliable citizens or residents of the country. Yeah. And then there's this higher threshold for younger people because maybe just they're seen as riskier. You know, sure. we don't want to attract anyone who's not a really accomplished professional or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it could be, it definitely could be. Um, I just find it fascinating. And uh, I'm, I, I wanted to kind of, your, your take on it for sure. I like yeah. that. So just a lot cost, of theories, no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So cost of living wise though, it seems like Panama city, um, being the exception for Panama is, is expensive. Whereas the rest of the country is, is more moderately priced, maybe, maybe similar to Costa Rica in terms of of pricing bar the tourist destinations in Costa Rica. Yeah. Is that yeah, I would accurate? I would say so with the with the caveat that some of these tourist destinations in Costa Rica can really be expensive. And, and again, it's gonna be especially in Panama like, City. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. If not more, just because you're kind of competing with the tourism market with people yeah. who are coming down for a week and happy to spend $300 a night on an Airbnb. And yes. so what's your long-term rental market look like? Things like that. Okay, perfect. Because I think that that draws comparisons very well to what we're seeing in Portugal. Yes. Um, in, in the major cities, uh, namely Lisbon, Porto, Braga to a lesser extent, but then down in the South in in the whole of, of Algarve, really apart from, from some of the smaller towns that are are less visited by the foreign market, you know, we see the imbalance between the tourism side of real estate versus, you know, what is available on the long-term market and then what people are asking for in rent. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, and it's really fascinating. Like I just heard a Portuguese person tell me that um, they, they essentially have family and friends who will, not put their place on the long-term market because in the three or four months that they can put it out on the short-term market that they can make like double the amount triple the amount 
for the whole year of what they would make on a long-term contract for the whole year. Absolutely. That makes it tough. Yeah. That makes it and tough. In, to In Portugal, there's the side of it, which makes it very hard for property owners to switch between the two, right? That's right. It's a different, different registration between short and long-term. So it's not like you can go back and forth. Um, yeah. But I, I'd say that it's the same in all these tourist destinations in Costa Rica. People, it, it just makes sense. Like, of course, I'm just going to rent out in the high season for half the year, have mm -hmm. probably less wear and tear on the property and make more money that way than I would renting locally Right. in all the beach towns. I will say Costa Rica and Portugal are also both places, not only that have seen a huge influx of expats recently, but mm -hmm. also that have seen a big uptick in tourism. Yeah. I think especially totally. coming out of the pandemic, pandemic. and that affects... That affects prices more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was there was already this upward trajectory. Uh, the pandemic kind of stunted it a little bit. Not a little bit. It definitely did. It, it stopped it. But then it it just picked right back up where it was. Um, I think through blogging, through hitting uh, major publications, you know, top lists of places to visit. People are now discovering these destinations. And they're flooding there, right? So it's, it is affecting yeah. the market. Do you see the popularity for expats to be going to Costa Rica, Panama, and Portugal to all stay at the levels that we're seeing right now, at least in the next, like, let's say, three to five years? Do you see it staying the same? Or do you, you see something happening that we don't know about uh, that will change that? So I'd say there already has been a slowdown when you compare it to 2021 in particular. I think okay. coming out of, you know, the intense period of COVID, especially with the rise of remote work options and people just needing a change, there was a, a huge swell in the number of people interested in moving to other countries. So, it, you know, and Costa Rica and Portugal in particular really came out of that strong Portugal more than anywhere else, I would say. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least per capita. Yeah. Yeah. And that has slowed a little bit. You know, it was really strong in 2021, 2022. I think in 2023, that has already slowed down. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the changes in remote work policies. Again, people, and maybe cutting back a little bit on that when it comes to digital nomads. But I'd say in both of these countries, that's been a bit offset by these introduction, these new visas that have been introduced, right? Um, and just like publicizing that, trying to get more remote workers to come. But I think what we're probably seeing is more of a stabilization of numbers than anything else. I would expect that these countries are gonna remain really popular just not at the peak levels that they were at uh, a year, two years ago. Okay. How do you help people relocate to these countries? Like, yeah. what, actively, like, what do you do? Instead so of not just providing bad, information. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Of course, we provide information. And, yeah. you know, one of the biggest points of help where I think we can really support someone early on is to help you decide where is right for you. So if you want to yeah. think about these three countries, if you want to think about places within the countries, we're happy to talk to you about it. But the way we really support people is through what we call end-to-end -end support for everything that you really need when you make an international move. So of course it includes your visa. It includes these big things that are 
quick to come to mind when you consider an international move like shipping or like mm. pet relocation, which can be surprisingly tricky. But it also includes things like finding a place to live, where that's whether that's to rent or buy. Like, well, in Costa Rica, buying a car because the car market is difficult to navigate in Costa Rica specifically. Or picking you up at the airport, giving you a tour of your neighborhood and making sure you know how to navigate the public transport system, for example. And then being on call for you. So we have a concierge level service where we're available for you for a month after you arrive. And you can call us up if you need help with anything, if you just can't figure out how to get your washing machine to work, or if you need help with a little bit of translation. So we kind of do all of these things combined into one larger package or a la carte if you need help with just one piece of the puzzle. Okay. And the, the prices are available on your website? Yes, at on our website. Startabroad.com? That's right. Exactly. Okay. So www.startabroad.com. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And then you also offer uh, a free 15 minute, 15 minute consultation with people? Yes. And you can sign up for that on our website as well. When you okay. go to the homepage, it's at the top of the page. You can click a button, sign up for any time that's convenient for you. Okay, cool. Um, I appreciate that. So before we jump off here, I want to ask you about uh, you're, you're involved in entrepreneurship while living abroad. Mm -hmm. And how, how did that come about? And what kind of challenges have you seen being a business owner uh, abroad? And, and yeah, just what, what have you seen like that, especially in Costa Rica now trying to manage this business? Yeah, well, I'd say the way that I got involved, I think I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. I'm sure you guys are the same. You just realize even as you're working in the context of a larger company, the thing that is most motivating to you out of anything is building something, Yeah. right? Learning every step of the way, learning new things, because when you're an entrepreneur, there are so many different things you have to manage and learn. So that's really, I think, what fuels me personally. And then in terms of the challenges of running a business internationally, well, one, I mean, like we actually encountered earlier today, sometimes the connectivity isn't as good as you might mm -hmm. ideally want. So uh, you have to sometimes be a little bit flexible with internet and with all things. Uh, just, I mean, I, I think when you're moving to a new country and you're learning new systems, you always have to come into it with a little bit of flexibility. When you are running a business, it's similar. Uh, you, all the different aspects and the ways that you'd be running the business, especially since we're providing services on the ground, right? We're interacting with so many different people who are helping us provide great service to clients in all of these countries. You have to be a little bit flexible. You have to understand kind of the business standards, how things work in each of these countries, build relationships across cultures, all of these things. Um, I think, you know, my background, having done that previously in other countries has certainly helped, but it's always a new challenge. You always have to learn a new, a new system, a new culture to get things done. Nice. Well, for those of you that are listening, please pop over to www.startabroad.com and register for a free 15-minute consultation if you would like to speak with uh, Anna and her team about what they can offer 
uh, and and maybe help you decide is Costa Rica, Panama, or Portugal the right place for you, if any, right? Yeah, if any. Or, you know, let's just talk about how you might want to take a trip and explore and figure that out for yourself, too. We can help you with that as well. Cool. Well, Anna, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh. It's been great talking to you. You too. Josh, do you want to add the uh, uh, your the final question? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I can do that. Anna, before I let you go, this is a question that we love to ask all of our guests uh, because it's something that we truly believe at Expats Everywhere, that living abroad transforms lives. How has living abroad transformed your life? That's such a good question. Thank you. Well, I'm afraid this is going to sound a little bit corny, but... We like corny. I, yeah. I think that living abroad has really opened my eyes and gotten me to see a couple of things. One is how fortunate I was and how just out of luck be born into uh, such a, a wealthy country mm. and the opportunities that that provided me and how, you know, this really comes, especially from my experience living for eight years in East Africa as a woman um, in particular, how, yeah, how incredibly fortunate I've been and how, um, how important then it's become to me to try to give back and recognize that I, I'm really coming from a place of privilege. The other way that it's changed my life has been to really enrich my life. I think just understanding different cultures, learning new languages, interacting with people with vastly different backgrounds or life experiences to me mm -hmm. is just a constant source of fascination and learning and interest i don't know there's there's so many there's so many daily challenges to your preconceived notions of how you think the world works or how you think people always behave or ought to behave yeah for me that's been really both really rewarding and also just like fascinating i think Anna, you grow you a so lot much. yeah when you are pushed out of your comfort zone yeah totally right on and i thank you so much again yeah thank you josh so listener we know that you are preparing to move to portugal we did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off.
So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 